On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Yeah, nothing a little prep age wouldn't take care of, right? <laughs> Thanks for the handy-dandy applicator, folks. Hi, aren't you that guy everybody hates? No, man, no. This is Tall Can Audio. Follow along on Twitter at Tall Can Audio or at Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. Just do it! How's it going, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast to kick off another work week. Matt over here, Rob over there. What are you saying today, man? I'm saying it's hot as hell. It's ungodly. It's like you, op- you open the back patio door and it feels like a, well, what I imagine the inside of a fully active colon yawning towards you would be like. Fully active. Yeah, fully active. Things right? are about to wanna- happen here, yeah. Yeah, well, this is, and, and maybe, yeah, imminent, because yeah. <laughs> it's got that Yeah, we got sweaty... that with yawning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are on Twitter yeah. and Instagram. We won't post anything yawning uh, on our Instagram, at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. Um, other than the heat, weekend's been good. It's more of a question than oh, a statement. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and really, um, I got a an aerator for the guard for the grass. So I was taking that down yesterday and then my front lawn is essentially, there's no grass in it anymore. It's really just weed. <laughs> so I started lifting up a bunch of turf to, uh, to put down some new topsoil and, and seed. So I did that yesterday and man, I've got a couple of butte calluses at the top of my palms from, from kettlebell action. Mm-hmm. But the rest of my hands are pretty much buttery soft. <laughs> and so from both the shovel or the aerator, I've I've now got a couple of kick-ass blisters right in the middle of my right in the middle of my palm. So that's um super interesting. Sure. Um you care to I tell us about finished... your bunions, anything else going on that uh... Yeah, nothing a little prep age wouldn't take care of, right? <laughs> Thanks for the handy dandy applicator, folks. <laughs> um, just kidding. Um, sort of. Just finished. Just finished taking down. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. You read any Ken Follett? Nope. All right, he does these big ass historical fiction books. Uh, I'm two thirds through his Century trilogy, and and follow me here now, Matt, because I am making it someplace. Um, and and it's sort of. It, it obviously covers the three books. Each are about 1,200 pages long. They're kick-ass. 
Um, it, it goes through the 20th century. It starts out just around the sinking of the Titanic, and and right now at the end of the second book, they've finished the Second World War, and they're sort of working their way towards it. I came up with an interesting little nugget because it sent me off in a bunch of different historical sort of avenues, and and one of them was the Battle of Cable Street, which is late 30s London, which is which is fascists, like English fascists marching and um and and they're repulsed by the people of the neighborhood right they are like thousands and thousands of people um this is topical this is topical okay well okay and and really where i'm going with it is oh serious yeah if you start to listen to to the lyrics um about cable street and and the police on on horseback trying to beat back the, the people who were opposing fascism, right? The police were actively trying to open a way for the fascists mm-hmm. to march through. And so this is, um, it, it caused quite a riot The you know, a thousand people injured. I'm not sure there was too many deaths, but yeah, people fought back against the police. And where this comes in is in the, in the hip tune, Bob Cajun. Okay. This isn't where I thought we ba- might be going. Yeah, the Battle of Cable Street was was sang. It's, uh, there's a song called "The Ghosts of Cable Street," sung by the Men They Couldn't Hang, which is an English folk punk band. Yeah, and in the lyrics to Bob Cajun, yeah. it says they talk about the checkerboard floor, you know, and when the when the men they couldn't hang took the mic and their you know Aryan Insane. voices rang, you know, yeah. all, all this sort of thing. So it was interesting to sort of. Hey, I know that. To tie the whole thing around, right? It can't, everything comes back to a hip tune, really, is what, it, is what it comes down to. But if you like historical fiction, I've, I've really I've really enjoyed these two books. So it's also led me, Matt. Well, hit the good listener a, before you move off there, again, with the, the author and the titles there. Yeah, Ken Follett is the name of the author. The, the, uh, the trilogy is called the Century Trilogy. Um the second book I just finished was called Winter of the World. Uh, and I can't remember what the first book is called, but it, it's an easy find, sure. right? It's an, it's, um, he, he did Pillars of the Earth, I think. Um, just a lot of big ass, but you got to be into the historical fiction. Pillars of the Earth. Um, was that the Clan of the Cave Bear? And no, this no. was a followed book and no. I, I've never read it. So, but Clan of the Cave Bear, two different, yeah, yeah, that's two different deals. Sure. Um, so it, just interesting. And, and as you say, when you look at especially the rise of communism, the rise of fascism and how Europe was swept up in this whole idea. And, and, and when you talk about timely, and I'm not sure if this is where you were going, right? To see how people get whipped up in, in a national frenzy and how they try and divide people. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's history. If you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it, and that is so, so true, man. Well, I was more uh, concerned about the idea of the marching fascists and then wondering which time, the, which side the cops were on here, and uh, you know, yeah. we, we've seen oh. some shit here recently. Yeah, yeah, and and that the idea that uh, you know that you would have not just not just the, the police there to keep the peace, but to actually break skulls to yeah. make a path for the for the fascists to march through like i get everyone should have the right to assemble and, and and those sorts of things but 
if you're there and, and you're spewing hate, mm-hmm. which is clearly what's happening here, yeah, anti anti uh, Semitism, right, was big on their list. Anyways, it's um, it's come down to it. It's a nice light read for a weekend summer weekend. Yeah, well, it's it's those of you who are still confined to your homes and yeah. find yourself with at least an hour on both sides of your day of commute free time. <laughs> well, guess what? You've got yourself a little easy reading. Uh, we should circle around to, cause at some point I, I, it's, it's hot. I was thirsty. I couldn't wait any longer. I've cracked my pint here while you were, uh, taking us through that. What are you sipping on today? I am sipping a Sabro pills from Collingwood brewery. It's after a long day of, of working on the yard. The pills get a little, uh, yeah. little Sabro. Okay. Yeah. I, I was just in the pool. Actually, I I've taken to, uh, it's it's crested seventy degrees for the good listener. <laughs> Balmy, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a, a Sabro pills from Collingwood Brewing. Mm-hmm. I think I came out as brewing. Sure. Um, of course, conveniently located in Brockville. Huh? No kidding. So, uh, mm-hmm. it, and it's mm-hmm. and it's interesting, right? I've is this working? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's got that. It's got that clean Pilsner taste to it, but the Sabro hops are kind of bring that that fruity sort of extra hoppy kind of thing that you would expect with the uh, with an IPA. So I, I'm surprised it's, it's it's a little more aggressively hopped and it has a little bit of uh, of citrus. So even the Pilsners look at look with envy at the IPA and say, "I want some of that sweet action." So very drinkable. Comes in around 5%. Nice on a summer day. What do you got going? I'm into, uh, speaking of IPAs, this is a red IPA called uh, the Zigzag from uh, Stalwart Brewing Company. Again, we mentioned last week, so won't spend too much time on them. But the beer itself, is a 7% strong <laughs> beer, they're calling it. Yeah, the uh, the red IPA, which, you know, piqued my curiosity a little bit. I think last week's, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was Wednesday, I can't. but it was a black IPA. Um, the space dragon that I was into. So, um, they're, they're toying around the edges here, experimenting a little bit with the IPAs and, um, I mainly just looking for stuff I haven't tried before. So this fit into that category, not too bad. You're getting, it's more IPA certainly than, than red, but you would expect that going in. Right. But there's nothing particularly overpowering about it. Honestly, it's a little pedestrian. I think if I was to, uh, to be honest about it, but it's fine, but there's nothing standing out about it. But a strong beer for a strong man. Yeah, That's sure. Yeah. Super appropriate, Matt. Obviously. Um, and, and just yeah. wait. Just, 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 just one chill more. out here. Yeah. Just, just one more thing in, in, in closing. It made me think as I was. Closing. It, yeah, the show's not <laughs> over, is it? I still have a beer and a half here to go, man. So uh, we got more space to go. Yeah. Um, I've been forced to, and, and I, since the Junos and uh, and you and Michaela, great job on the um, on the sort of on the hip wrap up. Thanks, man. I, I've I've sort of been um, forced to look at a bunch of different things. I was on Shuffle yesterday, and I came across "Love Is a First, Yeah, right. That's a solid tune from from much later in their oh nine. I think it was the "We Are the Same" album. I believe. Yeah, we are the same exactly. Yeah. Um. And I, and I was forced to like life 
you know, uh, it's a good life if you don't weaken, mm-hmm. which is off the uh, inviolate light, I believe, which is around oh two oh three. Yeah, that neighborhood. So both both beyond my sort of. You checked out a little and bit. I, I've been, yeah, and and I've been forced to. So I went back and I listened to sort of both those albums, and I've been forced to come to terms with the idea that I don't love all hip. Okay. Does that thought, make me a bad person? Does yeah, that make me I mean, less Canadian? Does yeah, that all of these things? Uh, it obviously does. Okay. Um, I I thought I really thought we were circling back to. I needed to give these another chance. This wasn't bad. Yeah. And it yeah. turns out, no, you, uh, you still weren't happy. I, I thought there was <laughs> going to be a reconciliation here. A, you know what? The hip weren't wrong. Rob was wrong. And, uh, no, oh. apparently no. is. <laughs> In this instance, no is the answer. But the idea <laughs> that X ha- is right and Rob is wrong has played out many times in my life. So I'm fully prepared for that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to distance myself from that, but <laughs> there's some good stuff. Like both those tunes I named yeah. are solid, right? Um, but man, there's some of it that's very sort of country sounding. That 09 album it, was sort of panned as being a little bit out there, right? Um, and, and not everybody loved it. There wasn't a ton of, of really good stuff on there. I'm trying to think of the, uh, that, that kind of, pop ditty that was on 09 that I've been meaning to call you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm struggling to come up with the title of it, but, um, but I, but I did, yeah, but I wouldn't, I've been yeah. Meaning I to call to, oh, that's you. a terrible song. And I'm not even sure that's on that album. Might not be. It's in that time frame though. Um, and but then yeah, I, I didn't love that song. 2011 or 2000, the 2013 album was kind of weird a little bit. Um, yeah, now for Plan A, I believe it's called. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff on there, like Man Machine poem that it's it's kind of howly or whatever. I'm not sure what he's doing. So, yeah, it's not for everybody, but uh, there the, if you pick through it, you'll you'll find a song or two from each album that you're like, all right, that that'll fit, like that'll work. But uh, they're not and great was, start to finish. And I was wandering through, so it caused me to go to the discography and. And for those of you out there who aren't hip fans and are, are, are actually rolling your eyes right at this moment, we won't be long. Um, I can't believe you've made it this long. Skip if, 15 if, seconds forward button and you'll be through it. Um, if I was to ask you how many Canadian number one singles the hip have had, how many do you think they've had, Matt? I don't know, 12. 12? Yeah. Would you be surprised if I told you one? As right after I said 12, I bet I'm, I was like, I bet it's one or two. <laughs> okay. You would be right if you had gone the other direction yeah. and said one. If this I read my, right, my palm wrong, it, it does say one or two, not 12. That's what I, <laughs> yes. yeah, one or two. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit of that leftover chicken, deep fried chicken skin that's on your, on your hands. Sure. I wish. Um, yeah, I wish too. It's really great about this time. Um, yeah, the only number one Canadian single they've ever had is "Ahead by a Century." Yeah, that so that'd it, be the it's one. interesting, and and really, there's just a clutch, four or five that have made it into single digits, and I looked at it and went, "Greasy Jungle, number eight. What are you doing here, yeah. <laughs> Flick?" Like to me, that's of all the tunes I could, I could do without that. Anyways, yep. There we are. It's all yours now, Matt. Carry on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, why don't we start here, just because it is 
a nice summer afternoon as we sit and record this. Uh, there's not a ton here, but I did want to touch on the idea that Trey Mancini of the Baltimore Orioles looks like is going to be, well, has been invited and is going to go ahead and compete at the home run derby at, uh, you know, the Major League Baseball all-star festivities, all-star week, whatever we're, uh, whatever we're calling it, while not competing in the game itself. Now, for those of you um, unfamiliar, he missed a ton of time. I think he missed almost all of last season, if not all. Well, I think he missed all of last season and some of the season before um, with, uh, with cancer and overcame it. Um, there was a point there where it, it got pretty sketchy. He didn't know how things were going to go. Whether or not he'd ever return to Major League Baseball was certainly secondary to whether he was going to, to beat this. He does beat it. He does come back. Um, he is playing Major League Baseball again, and, he, and he's playing reasonably well. But they've never, I don't think, done this before, where you invite someone just to be part of the festivities, right? We'd like to recognize what you've been through, what you've accomplished, and just compete in this. And you and I have talked before about the idea of you know, maybe more in hockey, right? You weren't selected to the NHL All-Star game, but hey, out comes Zdeno Chara to challenge whoever's there for the hardest shot contest or whoever your team's speedster is is going to take a run at at Connor McDavid in the fastest skate or whatever that's going to look like. And most of these leagues don't really seem to bite on it. This is an interesting way to get there. Um, What do you think of the idea itself of, of bringing him in given these circumstances and are you on board with the idea of yeah maybe bringing in some specialists across sports or should it be reserved for just the guys there for the all-star game well see the the thing is um Connolly, i believe was the was the uh the writer in the athletic mm-hmm. was the article that we're both we're both looking at um who he was really drumming hard for for mancini to make it he stated in the article that twelve other times this has already happened. All right. That they that they <laughs> that they have brought guys Stupid. in, in <laughs> including Vladimir Guerrero Jr. two years ago. Right? Not an all-star, but brought in. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton in twenty sixteen, also same thing. Parachuted in for the home run hitting contest. So he's saying, hey. Why not Mancini? Yeah. Let's make that happen. Sure. Um, I am now the, the article was as it is, right? When you have a local beat reporter, which sure, you know, Connolly, I believe his name was, is, is out of Baltimore. He covers the Orioles. He's a he's a bit of a homer, right? Yep. Which is okay when you're doing when you're working on the beat and you see these guys every day. Yeah, you get to know these guys and Yeah. But but what he what he works hard um, to prove to me is how close Mancini is this year on a pretty shitty Baltimore Orioles team. Like his numbers are, he's fifth in voting for first baseman in the American League. Yeah, but you have you have some killers mm-hmm. at first base in the in in the league, and you look, need look no further than our own Vlad, who last time I checked is up to three forty three, twenty six homers, sixty six RBIs, and three forty three LBS or what we. <laughs> Sorry, that was last year. Yeah, and you know what? You you mentioned that, and I'm watching him again today, and I am blown away by how svelte that guy is. Yep. Man, like looking at him, you're like, that's a different guy. He makes me feel shame. Or, like, oh no, it's doable. 
<laughs> yes. Oh, damn. I'm nuts. I got no excuses except for that guy's got every oh, worry. I got single I got lots. Opportun- opportunity <laughs> available to him, right? Like, yeah. You, you got guys who were saying, who were pinching him every time he goes by, saying, hey, on the treadmill, <laughs> hit the bike. Um, and, and the other thing is, oh, I may have, I don't know, a $400 million contract in the very near future. Yeah, there's my a reason way. to do this. So, yeah, there is a very good reason. And you know what? Once I sign that contract, I can have all the fried banana and cervezas I can get my hands on. But <laughs> Uh, and I don't blame him there either. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think his numbers are, he's up around 14 home runs. He's Mancini. hitting around 290. Yeah. Mancini, we're doubling back to. And, and, and he's not a, um, you know, he hit 30 odd home runs a couple of years ago. Sure. It's a great story. And I can't remember. I seem to, I thought it was sometime last year he made his. But maybe you're right. Cause he was out 15 months yeah. is what the article said. Yeah. And I remember him coming back and, and him saying how much he loved it. It may have been spring training this year, now that I think of it. How much he appreciated the, the, the fans who obviously were aware of his. It's a great story. Mm-hmm. Stage three colon cancer. Um, and how they weren't sure he was ever going to, you know, he was going to live, let alone yes. be able there to There were a lot of bigger things baseball. on the table for that guy, other than a coming back to baseball, right? And so to get all the well, way back is incredible. And the article touched on it. They said that... He was, air quotes, snubbed for the 2019 or 2018 All-Star game when, mm-hmm. you know, he went on to hit 30-odd home runs and, and it was having a great season. But because the Orioles were trash, as they so frequently are, <laughs> um, that um, they had a pretty dominant rookie pitcher whose name escapes John me right Mines now. And so they took, the, yeah. Yeah, they took the pitcher over, over Mancini. And so at that point, he was talking, they were talking about – the adversity that he was facing, you know, not, you know, being snubbed and, and he's like, yeah, you look back on it now and you go adversity, real adversity. Yeah. He's like, yeah, stage three colon cancer makes that make me feel like <laughs> I was such a shallow douche. So uh, I hope he makes it. I really do because in a game that really means not a pile, although I still believe it's the best of the, of the all-star it games. It is. In pro sports, um, you want to be able to celebrate people and, and good stories and in a game that really means short of home field advantage, perhaps if they're still doing that. Yeah. Um, you want to celebrate people and good stories. And, and I think, I think the Mancini story is that because he is having a good season. Do you, in principle, like, do we need to have good stories like this or would you be okay with, I guess baseball is a bad example maybe because you know, guys get to the all-star game, even if they do suck defensively. Like if you're tearing it up, hitting home runs, you'll be at the all-star game and thus eligible for the home run derby. Like, would you be okay with the NBA bringing in, you know, a guy who's definitely not an all-star, but just kills it in the three-point category, right? And to to enter that competition or the dunk thing, which again is, I guess, done a little differently in the NBA because they have the young stars game and often those guys will play. You know the NHL. You could bring in your, you know, somebody to do the hardest shot. I, I don't, I don't hate the idea. I don't know that they have to play in the game, but all these events have that day before competition that's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be for the fans. Uh, the more we talk about it, the more we see examples like this. The more I'm kind of like, yeah, like let's just put on the best show we can. And I'm fine 
if your guy says, you know, I'd really rather just have the week off, which I was going to get. Um, but in principle, like if these guys want to go and enter these sorts of things for the fans um, and just, you know, do that skills competition the night before, I, I'm kind of warming up to it, man. I, I think you should just put the best people you can get into those competitions. Well, and the home run hitting contest is one of those things that people do enjoy, yeah. right? Like it, it's it's one of those things. Uh, I found the Vladdy one where he lost to, uh, I believe it's Alonzo from the Mets mm-hmm. two years ago. That was outstanding viewing, not just as a Jays fan who was hoping Vladdy would win, but man, he was tearing the cover off the yeah. ball. Yeah. But you are also finding, so yes, it's a popular event, but you were also finding the idea that that guys who are having good seasons, like Vladdy, don't want to yeah, enter. Not messing up my home, swing for this mess, right? <laughs> like, this is it, right? I don't want to. Yeah, it, it, is it extended BP? Yeah, but uh, I'm changing. You know, the my uppercut on the swing. I'm I, instead of looking for good contact, I'm looking for height. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you, I think both Aaron Judge and Vladdy have both said. Yeah, not doing it this year. Thanks, but no thanks. And and so I think you're going to see guys who are. Should that be allowed? Like as a Jays yeah. fan, I'm good. Like I'm glad he's not doing it, right? Yeah. But if you're there and you've been voted in and you show up for the game, short of an injury or whatever, which again, you'd probably just skip the whole thing, would you not expect that they should take part? Yeah, uh, I think... I think the home run hitting derby is not the same as the all-star game itself. I think if you're voted in as an all-star, you should play in that game. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's not everybody gets to go. It it is, you are being recognized by the fans. Um, But to me, the home run hitting, the home run derby is not the same. And if it's going to, if it's going to mess with your swing, I think that's an offshoot of it. And you don't have to be in that. That's, you could, I could be, I could be swayed on that, but that is yeah. at first blush. That's my response. You need to play in the game, take your one or two at bats, which is what, you know, you're going to put Vladdy up in the top of the lineup. You know, he may make it through the fourth inning before they sub him out. And, right. but yeah, I think, I think the home, home run derby is separate from that and, and should be optional. I think I might be the opposite, but again, not particularly passionate about it. Like, I think if you're there and you've agreed to go anyway, and the you know if you're leading the league in home runs and the fans are paying to come out and see the thing, you know go out and take your swings. If you accidentally blow it in the second round and don't move on or something, maybe it's okay. Maybe that makes a further mockery of it. I, I don't know. I just kind of think. And and again, I'm talking out of my ass here because I'm so happy Vladdy's not doing it. Like yeah. I I don't know how much truth there is to the idea that it messes with your swing, but you hear lots of guys say that, and we have seen guys you know, take a while after the game to get their swing back or if they ever get it back. Um, I don't know if that's legit or not. I think probably if you're going anyway, you probably should just do it. Um, But again, you could talk me out of it and it's just one of those things. It's probably not that important, right? (laughs) Right. And and I I think it's, uh, you know, it's one of those skill-based things that are a nice add-on to the game, Mm -hmm. right? And so... I think it's a, it's a nice to have. It's not a must have. And so show up, play your part in the game. But yeah, don't do it if you don't want to. That's my take. You want to talk about the uh, the hockey part of the hockey next, or you want to talk about the gross part of the hockey next? 
Oh, come on, man. I always want to talk about the gross part of whatever we're talking about. The Chicago Blackhawks looking pretty gross right now as uh, rumors have come well, more than rumors at this point, multiple reports from uh, multiple places. And, and we can touch on how this is being covered, too, if that interests you at all. But that the, the Chicago Blackhawks during the 2010 playoff run had had, um, you know, players report to one of the coaches that there's been some sexual misconduct here, some sexual assault. Um, that guy was supposed to take it to management. Um, he says that he did. Most of the reports seem to suggest that the players also all believe that he did. And that management at that point essentially did nothing. Um, and that guy at the end of the season where the Blackhawks do win their first of three Stanley <laughs> Cups moves on because most people in a role like that, I think he was a video coach, wasn't he? Or, video coach. Yeah. yeah. Most people are excited to leave a Stanley Cup champion. That's what you want to do. But he was allowed to quietly move on. He wasn't fired, none of this sort of thing. But he moves on to work with high school hockey and then later university hockey. And this is where this becomes an issue because Blackhawks management never reports the guy to police. Um, even if you believe, and, and it gets a little gray here, you and I... You are, we're probably not going to be able to pin down on this podcast exactly what happened, but he leaves after the season and maybe the Blackhawks feel like we quietly did the same, uh, did the right thing. Maybe we told him it's time to go, but by not reporting him for this sort of action, he can easily get hired by a high school team where maybe he wouldn't if he has a, you know, a, a record of, you know, that that sex offender registry or however these things work. I don't know if in the U.S. they work state to state, but he would have a record, right, in theory. But by not reporting it, you don't do anything for the people who've been abused within your organization, and you leave the door open for him to abuse again later. <coughs> this has become a huge thing. Now, 11 years later, as it becomes public, lots of former players speaking out saying everybody knew. The whole team knew. We heard about this. Um we believe management knew and did nothing. And the NHL, aside from one statement that Bill Daly gave to the athletic, where he said, um, essentially, you know, we are aware of what's happening. We are not engaged, uh, right now in an investigation and we will have no further comment. This as the Stanley Cup final is about to kick off and you and I sit here Sunday afternoon discussing this about 24 hours before Gary Bettman is going to sit down for his State of the Union address um, before game one of the Stanley Cup finals. What do you make of all of this and is there any way at all that the NHL is going to be able to wriggle off the hook like they have done so many times before? Well... I think somewhere, I think Gare, you know, the TPC, hey, Gare. loves loves this kind of thing, right? He loves the, the distraction from the marquee event. Um, I think he probably somehow thinks that Eugene Melnick has foisted <laughs> this on the, on the Blackhawks because nobody likes to ruin a marquee Would event. Would it shock you if it came out tomorrow that somehow he, he's the guy who let this out of the bag? <laughs> um, but it is... It's 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 so disgusting, man. Is is the word? Hockey has worked so hard. Maybe nothing outside of the Cub Scouts, in terms of 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 trying to put 
a focus on the safety of of young athletes, right? And so you have the two deep. You can never be alone in a, in a change room with a kid. At minor hockey, we're talking. Yes, yes. Um, and so, yeah, even with your kid, you can't be in a minor hockey change room alone with a child. Right. Right. That is, that's how, that's how extensive they've gone with it. Right. Yet somehow, or for some reason, we get to the competitive junior levels and above and all those things, all those measures go out the window. Right. Right. And, and you've touched on it, it, it beautifully that, that the Blackhawks go, Okay, we don't want to mess with what we got going on here. We just won our first cup, and we think we can win more. Um, let's just slide this guy out the door, keep the negative pub to a minimum. And then, yeah, all he does is go on to offend in other spots, mm-hmm. right? Whereas you wave, you you know, you raise the red flag there, you make the allegations known, and if there's nothing, then you deal with that. But you got to err on the side of future issues and and i don't know how many guys you find in in tier two junior across canada right who who have just moved on from one place you know from ontario you've you've done something in ontario and you've moved to manitoba right you end up later in southern alberta in the in the tier two leagues and it's it's people have to understand and the nhl right now is is hard on the heels of their racism and their intolerance in other ways. Yep, is not has now shown themselves again to be to sweep this under yeah. the rug as long as we can. Maybe nobody will find out. Let's knock it out in front of this. Let's and here you are on the eve of as you've pointed out the crown jewel, right? The Stanley Cup final. This is all out in front. This is all anybody's talking about. And you did it to yourself by. A sucking when it first happened, and then B not actually dealing with the issue ever. Well, and where do you have to learn, right? This culture of acceptable racial slurs uh, under the radar, like not openly accepted, but eh, just you know we will we won't deal with it directly. Um, I'm sure you're going to find some gender, mm-hmm. you know, sexuality issues, um, but you also have concussion and head trauma the longer you fail to deal with the issue it doesn't go away no you just kick that ball further down the line and and so yeah there's no way there's zero chance that that gary is not going to have to face multiple questions on monday today on the eve of game one yeah with this right that this is going to be one of those things that is going to be an issue and 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 in the, the the article I was reading, it talked about you know the allegations were made, and all of the brass we're talking president, vice president, GM coaches that's Bowman, that's Quinville, that's right up the line yep. are all aware, and they're all in the room when this is made sort of official to the club and and they chose to to move away from it so. Again, like the Akeem Aliou issue, this now will reach backwards into. So, if anybody also thinks tied to the Blackhawks, which is interesting. Well, this is it. Yeah, and so it's 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 
it's disgusting and it's sad. It's a bunch of things all in one, right? That if you just do the right thing, it's painful at first, but it's going to save like the pain. It's exponential. Yeah. As, as you turn your back on it, it only grows from here and other people get sucked into the, into this black hole. Right. right. As you said, moves on to a Michigan high school, moves on to the University of Miami of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's it's this. If it's dealt with in Chicago, there's a pretty good chance that guy never works in hockey again. Right. Certainly not with minors. Yeah. Yeah. No. And this is the thing. Right. And and I wonder and, and there's a whole bunch of avenues to go down here if you or ways to come at this. But they go to this one coach. Um, Vincent is his last name. I, I forget his first name. And they, the players have all come out since and said, now that this is you know hitting the fan again, we believe he took it to management. We we absolutely believe that happened. And at that point, it gets put into as you've suggested the the upper management. What do we want to do here? And now again, it this reaches out all over the place. At the time, the assistant general manager is Kevin Cheveldayoff, who is now the GM of the Jets. That guy has been out of sight for ever since this broke. No one can get a hold of him. He's not answering questions. Mark Bergevin, at the time, is the director of pro scouting for the Blackhawks. He is now the general of the Montreal Canadiens, who, by the way, are also part of game one of that Stanley Cup final. He does have to answer this question. It's asked to him on media day there on Sunday. And he goes, uh, you can go on the record with this. I had never heard anything about this. I don't know what I'm from what I read in a few different places. It's plausible. It's believable that the director of pro scouting wasn't in the meeting where this gets brought up and whatever. Right. But the chance that he never heard about it, which he also went on to say bullshit. Apparently all the players heard all the, all the, most of the man, you know, the scouting staff, the the management team, pro sports is no different than anywhere else. Where, you know, when there's a Did juicy piece of gossip, it it gets around, right? And um, to think, as as people have tried to shield other groups, that all the assistant coaches knew, but Joel Quinville didn't. Bullshit. Yeah. All of management didn't, except Mark Bergevin, Kevin Dayoff. Bullshit. Right? Like this is shit. And and if all the players knew. You know, this sucks because he was one of my favorite. I don't want to hear any more talk about what a great captain Jonathan Taves was. He stayed silent. This never came out. You didn't do shit to protect people within your own ranks. You just let it go away and fester for 10 years. Uh, there's This is a mess, man. And there's a lot of people that are going to be tainted by it. And, and those are just a few names that have moved on to other organizations that are now either having to face it at a time where you probably wouldn't want them to be facing it or you can't find them. So as you've suggested, if you just do the right thing in the moment, you're not facing this in 2021 with all kinds of people asking all kinds of questions about where this goes next. And I wonder, you know, the last time Gary, I think it was even last year's, um, you know, pre Stanley cup final, whatever the state of the the league, he was asked about the, the way the league, um, handles concussions because that's been under the gun. And he said, "Ah, oh, you know, this is a good day and this is a big day for the league. I don't want to start a whole other news thing about, about that. You know, we'll handle that at another time. And all of the media on that call allowed him to get away with it. No one pushed yeah. back. 
nobody said, actually, Gary, we'd like you to do this. Or you've seen in, in more serious journalistic situations that the next reporter up will either ask the same question or yield his time back to the first reporter. None of that shit. So I want to see on Monday night, I do believe it will be asked, is he forced to answer it? Or will they just give him a pass like the hockey media so often does, man? And then that's going to be the next interesting thing for me to get a look at here. Well, and 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 I just want to, you know, I'm going to get off my very short high horse. Um, because the reality is that you talked about Taves or you talked about, you know, Kane, Seabrook. Anybody Keith, any on of, that team, these, yeah. any of these guys. Um I get not doing the right thing in the moment because it's not always super clear what you think is the best thing to do. And, well, and, and, the and right I, thing to is be like, fair, I do want to hand this back to you. This came out apparently as they left from Vancouver to go to San Jose. So after winning round, round two, two, heading to round three, to for context, they're in the heart or the heat of the playoffs, right? And and you know, heading to the next thing, you know, do we want things to blow up or, you know, we're on a roll. Let's just, yep. you know, just for when yep. this stuff came out. Yeah. Never won a cup. Yep. Right. This isn't the third of the, of the three right. in, in five years. This is the first. All I was going to say was I understand, right. That making the, making the right call is often the hardest mm-hmm. call to make. Um, so I get not making it in the moment and, and as weak as that sounds, it's it's human and yep. we have to all understand that. So like I said, but to me, when is the right time? Right. Eleven years seems like a long time. For sure. When his That's name's on did, the cup just, and he's standing there grinning in their big group photo at center ice after they win it. Man, wouldn't yeah, that bug you every I'm time you look is, at that stuff? <laughs> yeah. And and that's what I'm saying is it's one of those things where you go, Yeah, okay, but in the moment I I'm I'm doing whatever and and yeah, so that guy got his ass rubbed or whatever it was. Uh, sorry about that. Mm, I'm I'm moving on. Right. Right. And then at what point do you do you go? Well, what happened further down the line? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Right. And so, I I get and I'm I'm willing to grant that there's that there are issues that happen on on a in the moment basis. But when is that? When is that moment that you yeah that you realize that yeah. I, it was probably I, I, prior to June 2021. Exactly. And that's all I wanted to say, though, was I, I do understand. And and I think for anybody to write an article or to, or to spew on a podcast that you did the wrong thing. Yeah, I know. And, and I think they know that, too. It's, it's just when do you when does it become clear to you that I need to stand up, that I can no longer keep this hidden? Right. And I think it's I think it's long ago. I'm just saying, hey man, history is is full of people who've done the right thing at the right time, but they are in the vast minority because it's a hard thing to do. Sure. So, yeah, we should all do the right thing in the right moment. And so I I don't, I, I yeah, I I want to be I don't want to be confusing to the listener. I agree with you 100%, man. Do the right thing at the moment. Do the right thing at the moment, and nobody needs to get a free, a free spot on the bingo card here or a free pass. Do the right thing and move on. But it's 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 not always as easy. And I'm sure we all, if we were going to be a little introspective, have moments where we've seen, witnessed, 
or new things and didn't stand up until after. And so I think we have to, we have to be, I'm not sure what the word is, but you have to be, we can't all have our hindsight glasses on is really where I'm going with this. Um, yeah. Well, I think everybody's going to have their own reactions to this is a, this is a complicated one for sure. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I'm fine with anybody who takes issue with what I just said. Yeah. Because I, I'm on record saying, man, like Spike Lee said, do the right thing, man. Yeah. Do it in the time. Do it in the time. That's how things should be handled. Ideally. Um, yeah. I just think as, as somebody who in my life has said a pile of, sure, of things yeah, that yeah. are that's, and, and done things and, and, and been aware of things and, and, and not done things in the right time. You know, I, I just, it's wrong, but you have to, to err is human. That's really, but 11 years too much, way too much. Um, the, the people that seem to be on doing the, wait, on the player front. Yeah. On the player front. You people who are in charge of running an organization, yeah, I've fucking muddled this, but <laughs> that is that that is how I feel, right? In terms of the organization needs to have done the right thing at the right time. You have enough people in management, in in leadership to do the right thing, right? Um, and then you hope the players do the right thing. They didn't, but to me, there's so many safety nets there that all failed. And so ultimately it's sad and it's disgusting. I'm, I'm just, when looking at the players, yeah, I just. A locker room is a complicated place, man. 20 guys, some of them with big secure contracts and locked right in. Some of them making their first NHL money that worried if I say something, I'm going to be thrown right out of the league. Um, Akeem Eliu, look at it. It's a complicated place, right? So it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's, it's hard. Um, But as you suggest, there's no excuse for management. Um, and you know, uh, the one thing I wanted to point out and, and kind of get your take on here and, and mainly because this is always an interesting dynamic to me and how these things get covered. The people doing the best reporting on this right now are Katie Strang out of the athletic, who always seems to be on top of these things. Um, and Rick Westhead from TSN. TSN. Yeah. And up until Saturday afternoon, Sportsnet had been weirdly fucking quiet, man. And on Saturday afternoon, uh, Chris Johnston, one of their most noteworthy insiders, quote tweets. I think it was Rick. I, I could be wrong, um, but just I think it was Rick. Yeah, that that points out. You know, he points out these are the guys doing the best reporting, and and this is important. And on Saturday afternoon or evening, um, Elliot Friedman. And Jeff Merrick record an episode of 31 Thoughts, the podcast that drops on Sunday. Before that, it's largely crickets coming out of Sportsnet, who has a $5 billion relationship with the NHL. We've seen these sort of criticisms in the past that uh, in, in many sports that maybe ESPN doesn't do as good of a job pulling back the curtain on the NFL as you'd like them to, but they have a financial investment and a, you know, a stake in, in seeing things go properly instead of poorly. Um, I wonder two things. 
would you be surprised or, or were you surprised that Sportsnet was as quiet as they were on this as they continue to broadcast things? And the second part of that, is it just me reading too much into this or is the fact that both Chris Johnston and Elliot Friedman as of Saturday afternoon put their wheels in motion or did they finally get to say to somebody, we're getting killed here. People are pointing out that we're saying nothing and Sportsnet finally maybe at, I don't know, 2 p.m. Saturday afternoon said, fine, go ahead. Or is that just coincidental? It's not coincidental at all. And and, and really, it, it shows where I'm getting my info from. Um, when you and I were trading ideas Saturday night, you know, topics for the show, mm-hmm. Sunday, blah, blah, blah. You sent it over saying NHL silence on the Blackhawk issue. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> So we've as of Saturday all, we've evening, we've all been watching a lot of Sportsnet lately, right? Because of the playoffs, because of and I, I did not have any clue what you were talking about, right? So then I, at that point, I moved over and I started searching, you know, just right away, Chicago Blackhawks, and then hit all news, yes. all all current stuff, right? And you just and it's there. Oh right? my god! <laughs> well, yeah, and you go, oh, and it's only eleven years old, right? Yes, and you go, wow, how 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 slow am I? Um, <laughs> secondly. It's another. I, it's another issue where or, no? right, if you on. see if you see Katie Strang yeah. show up in your yep. inbox on your phone on whatever you're in shit. Things things yeah. have gone poorly. Well, if Katie for you, Strang is texting and you've never spoken to Katie Strang before. Whatever yeah. you did that you think nobody knows about, it's coming yeah. out, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry to the Strang family and any any immediate <laughs> you know relations and friends. Yeah. You're good, but. Anybody else who has no personal connection to Katie right. Strang? Yeah, and the same way to me with Rick Westhead. Yep. I think he used to work for, he used to do through CBC. Yes. Either W5 or Fifth Estate. He's he's come from the investigative reporting And that's why I side. trust his reporting on this shit more than most of the rest of the hockey heads, right? Is he's an investigative for, reporter who dabbles in hockey. Well, and it's almost like he comes at it from a non-sports fan perspective. Yeah. Right? He's able to look at things sort of much more clinically than than a, than a sports fan. And I'm not saying Rick's not a sports sure, fan, no. but he certainly brings that that investigative reporting side to it. And so yeah, both those guys, both those people um yeah, do great work and and so to me if we're hearing about it from them there is much fire, not just smoke, yeah. right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting time. Um, we got real hockey to talk about. The t- and sorry, and sorry about that. I didn't answer your either question. one of them actually, but uh, <laughs> sorry, that's all right. My, they were yeah, loaded man. questions that I, I offered opinions in asking them as I as I yeah. tend to do. So and as I wrapped it up, I'm like, I don't, what the hell do you even and, ask and, me? And, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and exactly, but. Sometimes when I listen back, if I do listen back to our show, I'm like, why don't you answer? Why don't you ever answer <laughs> the questions that Matt, answers question. <laughs> that Matt asks? I'm like, so many times they just like, I don't know, Matt. This is what I want to talk about. Yep. And away we go. Well, you've said that before, right? You just wait until I stop talking and then say whatever you were going to say. <laughs> no, but th- this, this mea culpa right here yes. is really just meant to show that I am listening, <laughs> and I do sort of want to answer the question, but yeah. As you said in the very beginning, 
it's no coincidence. Um, something happened at Sportsnet. They were getting absolutely killed, and someone said to their two biggest insiders, "Go ahead." And uh, and Elliot went in at, at the beginning of that Thirty One Thoughts podcast that came out on Sunday. Said, "You know, I didn't feel like I could properly express myself on Twitter, so I wanted to wait till I had this opportunity." And I, you know, the 31 Thoughts blog will come out on Monday. I'll address it there as well in long form. I just didn't think it was, you know, the right forum to do it on Twitter. And there's a part of me that's like, that's fair enough. But why are you the last to do this? And why are we getting a 31 Thoughts podcast on Sunday morning, which we never get? That show comes out usually Monday morning, maybe Tuesday morning, and then again Thursday or Friday morning. Never over the weekend they were getting killed and they either the management cracked and said okay or they told management we have to you know we're getting buried here as league insiders and and we're doing this so um why don't we talk a little bit about the actual series we got coming up we got montreal versus tampa in the cup final after the habs knock off the vegas golden knights and um the islanders get uh, get dropped by the lightning where do you want to start? What is, uh, you know, coming out of the last series, coming into this series, what's the, the narrative or what's got your attention here? I think we can probably put to bed this idea that Colorado and Vegas were hands down best teams in the league. Can we, can we, can we stop that narrative or am I just I... out there swinging on this? <laughs> If, I think it goes to show, and, and you listen to Mark Stone in his in his post game interview, and he says, "Well, I think we were one of the highest scoring teams in the league. We're not offensively challenged." And you go, "Yeah, because you're feasting on shitbirds in the West, right?" You look at in the bubble last year; they were offensively challenged. You look at other than a couple of games here this season, they can't score. And so, to me, West, you're shite. There's clearly a bunch of garbage going on there. Um, well, that that over to me the is last the four thing. years, over the last, and and this is where analytics runs into. Okay, good for you. Your analytics look great, and you're going to have a nice long summer. Um, over the last four seasons, the Vegas Golden Knights have won more playoff games than anyone else, and have zero cups, cups to man? show for it. I'm just, yeah. Could you let me finish my fucking thought? Uh, I know, I, I know. And have zero cups to show for it. So yeah, you're not stacking them together in the right order or in the right frequency or or whatever. And you know, some teams, as you're kind of riding where you ride, other teams are falling off and other teams are coming into their peak windows. Um, so it doesn't mean anything really, but it is interesting to note that while they appear offensively challenged, and they were, it's not like they just suddenly, because someone had asked the the question, why can't you know, once it gets tough in the playoffs, why can't the Vegas Golden Knights compete anymore? And that's where that stat gets dropped. And you're like, okay, so you probably can compete a little bit, but <laughs> maybe, maybe a bit. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. And I, I still think, and maybe this is foolishness. Maybe I got blinders on for the analytics stuff for whatever. I still think Colorado is, is, or was, <laughs> Maybe the best team in the league this year. Sometimes the best team doesn't win, right? And I, I don't know what to, to read into that, but that's a well-built team. And I, I know the Kadri thing matters, but I thought they would overcome it, right? Like 
the center ice position that Vegas is rolling out there is nothing to be particularly terrified about. And the call, worst. Yeah, it's it's not great. So I don't know, man. I I I think I think I've been frustrated this year. I'm I'm trying to figure out in these playoffs, okay, how much is the standard actually changing? How much well, is it officiating? How much is it that the game, you know, ev- maybe it's not the officiating so much as everyone just competes that little extra bit harder going into the corners or whatever it might be, and your smaller skilled guys can't quite compete. How much is it that I'm reading too much into the analytics stuff that will carry you through? The thing that we always say about analytics, right, is, is, is sample size is super, super important. Well, during the regular season, typically, and this year was shorter, you get 82 games, and they're all regular season games, obviously. So that's what your analytics are built on in the much larger sample size. If there is a difference in the playoffs, those are much smaller sample sizes that make someone like me who is more married to these fancy stats go, yeah, it's a small sample size. I'll toss that game, toss that out. Well, you can't toss it out because you keep getting eliminated, right? Like, it yeah. matters. So I'm, I'm having a hard time kind of wrestling with what all of this does mean, the fact that Montreal is in the final and the fact that the Islanders were a goal or two away from being in the final. And in my opinion, it would have been the worst final maybe of my lifetime watching those two teams play each other, but we were that close. So how much am I just watching the game wrong versus how much is, is the game kind of messed up in the playoffs? Yeah, and, and we, we talked about this a couple of yes. Sundays ago where we talked about the way Toronto was building their team and, and, and rightfully so, right? This isn't a Toronto shot. This is a, Hey man, I'm drafting talent. I'm drafting, looking for skilled players, all these things. And you go, Oh wait, when the playoffs start, I'm out again. It's better to have uh, a Sherratt and a one-legged Weber who are going to, lay the lumber on you and do all these other things. And you go, my skill has been diminished. Yep. And, and I've, I've, you just need to look at Montreal, only one of two teams with a negative goals for and against differential to make the playoffs. And only one of two teams sub 500 who made the playoffs. And and you go. And, and and as we said, had this been an 82 game season, I I'm telling you right now, they would not have made the playoffs. They wouldn't have made it. So last team in, first team to qualify for round three, first team to qualify for the final, and and here they are. And I am loath to say I have no idea who's going to win the series. I think I know who's going to win the series. Right. I know who the better team is, right? The, the better, yes. you know, it, to me in terms of at all three positions. Yep. Goaltending, defense, and forward, I think all favor Tampa. Yes. Does that mean – that they're going to win the series? It doesn't mean shit. That's exactly right. And so... Well, that sucks, I, though. I am, like, <laughs> like, like more than ever, uh, my team didn't even make the playoffs, and I am offended by how this how this postseason has been officiated. Yeah. And, and I don't care that that it's... it's we I talked about it before. We love our third-line players in Canada, sure. right? We love this, but... At the end of the day, if you are going to put a premium on talent and that's the way the game is going to be called, you have to call it in a, in a similar, air quotes, similar fashion in the playoffs 
to what you see in the regular season. Call I don't it. want you to manage the game. I want you to call the goddamn. And you see, again, more people on Twitter, more people on TV. Well, if they do that, they'll be calling stuff all the time. The players will figure it out. They will. Sure they will. But you have and to you invest it. in it. You hear it all the time. When 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 you don't call anything, then players are like, "Fuck it." Yeah. Cool. Uh, Open it, season. It's, it's Hudson Bay rules here, baby. We're gonna just do whatever. Yes. And, and then and then you go. Then there's in between games five and six. There's this call that says, "Hey, man, don't you can't punch somebody right in the face five feet from the ref who's looking right at you and mm-hmm. not call it." Mm-hmm. So then the next game you go, "Well, what do you mean, man? That flew last game." You're not. You're gonna call that now, right? It's super confusing, and if you just call it from the start and say, "Hey, I'm gonna allow X, Y, and Z," right? Yep. Consistently, consistently. But I, I am not gonna allow A, B, and C. Consistently, players absolutely adapt. Yep. All those guys have been working on this since they were five years old they will adapt to how the game is being called. But to me, the, the major function is if you, and the issue, if you were going to call the game like this in the regular season, Hey man, you get what you deserve, Yep. but you're not, you were calling it two separate ways, which is infuriating for anybody who watches the game. And, and as somebody who's, who, who supports a team that is building towards hopefully some success in the future. And you go, yeah, what am I building towards? Am I building towards? Am I building it the right know, way? With like, yeah. Well, because to me, as I said, Toronto, you look at it and go, there's some great pieces yep. at defense, at forward. And you go, some top, top end talent. And you go, but that may not help me when, right. you know, you've got guys who can just clutch and grab and water ski still, like it's in some cases, like it's 1995. Well, that's to me what this was going to look like, Montreal versus the Islanders. And there's Lou again, center of <laughs> just like he was in 95. But that's what we were headed towards. And I, there was no grand pronouncement. I, I, I've said my frustrations on Twitter, obviously, from time to time. There was no, I won't even watch this. But it didn't interest me. I'd have watched what I had to watch for the show or like to do this show. But I was not going to be married four to seven games start to finish to Islanders Habs. That's not good hockey. It's not that entertaining. It's not where I want to see the league going. And I, I just, to me, you know, the the Habs, they're full value for where they are. Like they, they're one of the teams who figured out what they could get away with and what they couldn't. They've gotten hot at the right time. Their goalie's playing out of his mind. Like this isn't necessarily to tear down the Habs who've done what they could do, but they... They beat the Leafs, who I would have said, and so would the standings, was a better team. They beat the Jets, who I would have said, and the standings would have said, was a better team. And they beat Vegas, who the standings said, and I would have said, were a better team. And Vegas just knocked off Colorado. To me, those are all of the teams that Montreal has beaten so far. I'd be far more interested in watching in the cup final against Tampa than Montreal themselves. I get that the first one is very biased. I'm a Leaf guy, but all of those teams would have been more entertaining opponents. And if we're not interested in the entertainment side of this, what the fuck are we doing? Like, yeah. why bother investing in this thing? Well, and, and if you look at and and we've ran it down, they were a sub-500 team, yeah. Montreal. Yep. They had a negative goals for and against. Yep. Only them in St. Louis, and St. Louis was dispatched in the first round. Um, 
if you second look at worst their, record in the league post trade deadline, second lowest you, Corsi. Sorry, now you can go. Yeah, if you look at their, especially that uh, their 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 postseason stats, and especially that 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 super magical number, the combination of of your power play and your penalty kill percentages, PDO, right? Yeah, they say oh, sorry, no. <laughs> you know above one hundred and five. Yeah. Is good, right? These two teams are at one thirteen and one twenty, right? Right. Tampa is Tampa's power play is running at like thirty two percent, and the Habs PK is off the charts. Well, yeah, and and, and that's the difference. The, the, the I believe the Tampa penalty kill is somewhere around eighty two. Mm-hmm. The Habs penalty kill is around eighty ninety three. Yeah, it's nuts. They've right? scored like uh, they've scored the, more shorthanded than they've given up. Yeah, so to me, those are the things you look at, and when you get good goaltending, which both these teams have, yes, you you have this idea where, you know, Carey Price, solid goaltending, Vasilevsky, outstanding goaltending. I I don't think Carey Price was forced to steal any games in that in that last round, and maybe you can. Yeah, no, not really. He was very right. good in some games, but it's not like they were ever getting killed. Right. One of the first two me, games they were, I remember getting a show. Yeah, up. to me, he stonewalled Toronto in a couple of yeah. a couple of lateral moves. I think of the Spezza, I think of the Marner, two separate games, right? Yep. Those those lateral moves where you expect that to be a goal. Yeah. He stole some games. He he took away some goals there, but Winnipeg Tampa didn't really the, press him. This is it. Yeah. Tampa and, and and so I don't think he stole any games here in in round three either. And right. so, um, Tampa has the lower goals against. And they have the higher goals for right? right. Like it, 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 it's just on so many levels with game breakers. And you even look at their their point totals, right? The top end, Toffoli has the most points, I believe. He'd be fourth or fifth in Tampa in, in playoff scoring, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the discrepancy between the two teams, even in the playoff stats alone, would indicate to me that this is a Tampa series. Yep, but I would have said that if I. Montreal's opponent in each of the first three as well. So, like you, I have no idea what's about to happen, man. But I'm going to tell you right now, I so badly wanted to see Montreal beat Toronto. Like I, yeah, I know. I, like, we've heard, but really, like it was unhealthy. Probably, I wanted to see Winnipeg beat Montreal. Like yeah. at that point, it sort of flips, right? Thank you. you know, We're done here, and uh, yeah, this is it. This has been my Bruins Toronto thing the past couple of years. Sure. You're like, fuck those guys. <laughs> I hate those guys. But that's a lesser of two evils. And then now you're like, beat it, Boston, beat it. Um, but then, so I wanted to see the Jets win, so I flipped away. And then I don't know whether it was the Canadian division and all that talk of how poor it was. When when Montreal clinched, I kind of gave it a little silent yes, right? It was it over wasn't Vegas, um, over Vegas, yeah. yeah. So round three, I sort of flipped back to, hmm. but I am full on on the Tampa bandwagon, and so this idea that we, you know, Canada's team and oh, I hate that. Yeah, well, see, and and the thing is, I like Carey Price. I got a pile of time for him. I like Gallagher. I like Weber. I like Suzuki. Man, that guy is. Uh, He's fantastic. Um, I've I've gone on and on about Josh Anderson. There's pieces there I like. The fan base is shite. I hate that. And I, I'm loath <laughs> to hear them say, Oh, only we can win cups. Don't worry. We'll bring it back to Canada. You know, first team since ninety three. Don't worry about it. I don't need to hear that. 
you know? Oh, you're gonna. Yeah. Well, you know why, you know why, yeah, exactly. The, the, you know why there's only saucers in Ottawa? Cause all the cups are in Montreal. That kind of bullshit. I don't want to hear anymore. So yeah, it's nice. Good for you guys. We've now done what we need to do, but I am so on the Tampa bandwagon right at this moment. Yeah. This has been fun. You uh, you lifted the narrative of the Canadian division a little bit, but now it's time for you to go. Right, you've served your purpose. Um, and and Tampa is gonna Tampa's gonna now they've they have squeaked out. I think the end of their right. They had their little window where they you know Kucherov has his season long injury yeah. and. They have, you know, it's time to pay the piper on well, the salary I cap saw a there. great line, though. I saw a great line on Twitter that said uh, that maybe Tampa management was pretty stoked to see Kucherov injured in Game 7 there against the Islanders because <laughs> you can go back on LTIR to start next season yeah, after you win this. <laughs> is there any chance, yeah, that, that whatever's ailing Stamkos You can play can... through it for another week or two, but... Now I'm going to need a good year off afterwards. Yeah, Julian Breezeball on line one. Sure, could be. Yeah, this is, I don't know. To me, I'm intrigued by it. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll watch more of it than I probably did in the last round just because it is the final and, and I want to see how this goes. But I, I just, I don't know what this means. Like to me, this reminds me a little bit of Arizona in 2012 where they got on a heater. They got really good goaltending. They had all the way to the conference final and they don't make the playoffs for the next seven years. Like there's nothing about this Habs team that says, yes, this is a top two team in the league that should be playing for the Stanley Cup. And certainly nothing about it that says, you know, what we do every year, right? Like you copy the champ. What does that mean? piss poor offense and a big slow defense it's allowed to slow you down and a world-class yeah. goalie i guess who seems to be who seems to be disinterested in the regular season yeah, seriously man that that's it like they don't even as you pointed out man they don't get a chance to take this miracle run if it's an 82 game season because they're not getting in at all so i sort yeah. of understand the idea of build a team for the playoffs which is what the habs fans who were ready to fire bergevin after yeah. game five against Toronto, yeah. embarrassment, well, terrible, we're done. Like, this sucks, fire everybody, get rid of everybody. And now he's the best in the world. He's brilliant. He built this team for the playoffs. You, I understand that thing that 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 managers like Brian Burke and, and people like that talk about. You have to build a team to compete in the playoffs. That's fine and dandy, but you got to get there, right? And Montreal came dangerously close to not. And... Well, their own record, their own play didn't get them in. Everybody else fell off a cliff at the end of the year here in the yeah, North. Cal- Calgary and Vancouver. Yeah. Like Vancouver had the COVID thing and Vancouver, I mean, Calgary just fell meh. apart. Like it, there's, there's a better chance Ottawa would have caught yes. them yes. In, in the second half. Um, yeah, this is, this smacks of only one step further of 2017 Ottawa, right? Where People rolled back the next year, and you're like, oh, man, we were double overtime, game seven yep. against Pittsburgh. Yep. We're good to go. No, <laughs> no. The, the, the faults you had in Montreal that had people at the end of the regular season as they backed into the playoffs, yeah. wanting to burn the city, <laughs> fire Ducharme and Bergevin at the same time. Yep. Like this was – this is this is gold for the rest of the division that, that they've gone on this run because this team is not going to be – they still have all the same warts. Mm-hmm. Petrie, Sherratt, Weber are still as old as they are, right? Price, his indifference in the playoffs. Do we think at 33 now he's refound? 
his form and he's gonna he's gonna crush it next year. No, at least till February. They, hopefully, gonna, what's that? At least till February. Hopefully, yeah. Okay, well, uh, this is it. Right? <laughs> but hey, man, chips are chips are down. Yeah, chips are down. That's when we want price to do price things. Right. So, so yeah, if if you're hoping as a Montreal fan that this is gonna parlay into a um, unparalleled success, <laughs> to borrow come on, a man. term. We all know that that's just two hours west of you. Right. Of course. Yes, um, of course. So we're both picking Tampa. I'm picking Tampa in yeah. five games. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a short one too. Yeah, it's it's probably four or five. I got no yeah, six. I, six is a cop out. Yep. Four or five. Yep. Um, just as we wrap up here, I, I did check. Um, just before we started, tickets to games in Tampa Bay on StubHub <laughs> averaging $383. Tickets to the games in Montreal uh, on StubHub averaging $4,000. I get it. Canada's the more passionate place. Montreal, uh, um, certainly amongst those are amongst the top of the pile there. Would it still be? I kind of think it would. I, I'd be curious for your opinion. If it I, I, like the the part of the equation there is that Montreal is not allowing a full building like Tampa is, I still think you're talking three four grand a ticket to get into a Cup final game in Montreal, don't you? Well, you're doubling you're doubling the price for sure, yeah. right? I saw on the Google feed today that they were saying, yeah, anywhere from four grand up in the up in the top <laughs> down to twenty three grand per single ticket in the in the. In the in the sweet seats in Montreal, and they're saying, "Yeah, how it would just be easier to pay for airfare <laughs> to Tampa and, for sure." And, and to Tampa, you could charter a there. flight in some cases for yeah, and and stop and see Celine on the way back, maybe nice. in Vegas. Yeah. Why not? Um, yeah, it's it did come down and, a little if there was twenty thousand seats instead of thirty five hundred or five thousand or wherever yeah, we get cut to in half. Yeah. I, would, I would suggest, okay. but you're still paying two to three. I, I agree yeah. with you for the cheapest seats. Yeah. Like at a cup final in Canada, they gouge you. Sure. And I'm not sure I want to see anybody 3,000 bucks bad. Game I, seven, we can talk beyond yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, beyond For that. sure. I need but, to know there's a chance my team's winning. But yeah, I saw that too, right? The prices are Stupid. 10 times higher in, <laughs> in, in Montreal. And again, <laughs> I think that is due to demand sure. and limited supply. Yeah. But you are talking about... You know, only you know whatever it is, a fraction 10% of the, the tickets. Yeah, ten yeah. percent of the audience. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. I imagine within a week or two, we'll both be here pretending we didn't say Montreal was going to get crushed. But uh, <laughs> based yeah, on probably. how this has gone thus far, but uh, uh, that's where we'll wind this one down. We're on Twitter and Instagram at TalkinAudio, Facebook.com/slash TalkinAudio. I hope you'll subscribe to the show wherever you're listening right now. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit follow or subscribe or whatever your app says and uh, hang around because we've got tons more good stuff to come. Until then, my name is Matt, his name's Rob, and we'll see you on the next episode of Talk and Audio. See ya! What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.
Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app. Hi.